in our series of uh, discussing what Jesus did and uh, told us to follow in his example, learning from his model, how to witness to Muslims. We've talked about how to identify the need by asking questions, diagnosing the situation, and being able to find the right answer. We come today to the difficult questions that uh, many Muslims ask. Some years ago, a man from uh, South Africa, Ahmed Didat, published a little book and began to distribute his little booklets and tracts all over the world. And everywhere I go, I find Muslims who come to me with questions about uh, the authenticity of the Bible, whether the Bible has been corrupted or true, about the Trinity, about Jesus being Son of God, and many other difficult questions. When you are faced with such questions, what do you do? Many workers uh, panic and they say, oh, oh, now how am I going to do this? And I get a lot of questions as I travel around the world, in the United States, the churches, many people ask me, how do I answer these things? And I really don't have much time to explain to a Christian how to explain the gospel uh, or to answer these difficult questions in a short time. How much more difficult is it then to, ask, to directly go to a Muslim and in a short time answer those questions? So today is not a class in apologetics because there's a whole course on that. But I want to tell you how I deal with these difficult questions. Other than trying to ignore it and change the subject and ask them back some questions and so on, some people still want to know and you are obligated to answer them. I'll tell you a story. Muhammad is from Saudi Arabia. He came to study English in Colorado and uh, found uh, a room at an American home where he lived. This American family uh, happened to be Christians. They invited him to go to church with them. So he went with them to church for several weeks. And one day he met the pastor and asked the pastor, what do you mean when you talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And he heard the preacher many times say, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do you mean the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you say that Jesus is God? So... Uh, he wasn't convinced by the answers. The pastor did what he could. Uh, Debbie did what she could, his host uh, lady. And finally, uh, she told him, well, we know a Lebanese guy in Boulder, Colorado. Give him a call. So he called me, and I invited him to come down 50 miles away to see me. So we spent five hours together. During these five hours, I did not leave one explanation untold to him. I tried my best to illustrate all kinds of ways, opened the Bible, shared the scripture, tried to convince him there's only one God. The Bible says there's only one God. Uh, there's not three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit means this or that. And there are many different ways people explain the Trinity. They either use the three different elements of the egg or the three different elements of water. Uh, water is solid and liquid and steam. And my favorite illustration is the sun. The sun is a fireball, 
that sends light and with the light comes heat. So there's fire and heat and light, all Trinity together. They're inseparable and Jesus is the light of the Word, the world and, and the Holy Spirit is energy and power. So that's a very good illustration. So I use that illustration too. I have been successful sometimes in convincing people by this illustration. But Muhammad left me after five hours totally unconvinced. I prayed for him. I said, Lord God, I did what I could. You do the rest. We were supposed to meet every Friday. He enjoyed, and I enjoyed meeting with him. So at the end of his class uh, room, uh, class, uh, last class on Friday, he would drive down to see me 50 miles away. So I said, Muhammad, what's your question today? He said, honestly, I've been thinking about all you told me for the whole week, and I'm not convinced. So I went over the whole thing all over again. And we spent from 5 p.m. till 11 p.m. talking, 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 talking. The same thing, and I tried it in different ways, drew pictures, and, and uh, still I wasn't sure what was going to happen. So he went back, and on the third day, I said to the Lord, if this guy comes back with the same questions again, what am I going to do? I have said the same thing. I don't have anything more to tell him. So the Lord revealed to me something very important. So I got ready for him. <clears throat> the third week, he came, and I said to him, uh, what do you want to discuss today? What questions do you have? And mind you, this is one of the best techniques I use with Muslims. I tell them to ask me questions. This way I know what they are struggling with. If they don't have questions, then I begin to ask them questions. So this time he said, honestly, I really don't want to be uh, a pain, but um, I'm, I'm really stuck. I'm stuck. I'm attracted to Christ. I'm attracted to Christianity. I've been reading the Bible, and I go to church, and I love the worship. I love everything, but I'm stuck. How can God become a man? How can God be three in one? So I opened Matthew 16. That's what the Lord has revealed to me, and I began to share with Him. I said, let's do a Bible study together. Now, mind you, in, in the two weeks, five hours each time that I've met with him, I used the Bible before, and I shared all kinds of verses. But this is directly speaking to his situation. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked the disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now we come, Muhammad, to this very important question. What about you? Who do you say I am? Jesus is asking you, Muhammad, who is Jesus? You need to know who Jesus is. Now explain to him that at this time, the disciples had not really fully understood who Jesus was. They knew that he was a good teacher. Maybe he was a rabbi, one of those uh, teachers of the law. They saw in Jesus something different. They saw him do miracles, teach things that amazed people, and um, 
perform amazing things, uh, touched hearts of people and, and bodies of people like the lepers that the Pharisees would not touch. So they saw that Jesus was different and yet they still didn't fully grasp his true nat nature and true character. So Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Then Peter, one of his favorite disciples, stood up and said these amazing words. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I can actually imagine, if this was drama, I can imagine Peter with his mouth, with his chin dropping, saying, Ha! Ah, you are the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. Why would he be so surprised? He said those words. How could he surprise himself? i tell you why. And Jesus said the answer. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Peter, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. He asked them, What do people say? And people didn't f figure it out. He said, He's Elijah, he's one of the prophets, he's John the Baptist. And when he asked them, You are also like them. How are you different than people? Peter was no different than anybody else. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit fell on Peter, and Peter answered in a very inhuman answer, uh, an answer that no human being would figure out on their own. He said to him, No man has revealed this to you but my Father. I said, Muhammad, the issue of who Jesus is is not something that you and I can figure out. We cannot put it under a microscope and analyze it and figure it out. From his life we know he is more than a prophet. We know he's performed miracles. He taught amazing things. And later on we know he died and he was resurrected. That's another amazing thing that no human being has ever experienced before. But who Jesus is in reality is something you can only know in the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that spiritual things are only understood spiritually, are only discernible by the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God comes into our hearts to reveal the nature of God, the nature of Jesus. Said Muhammad, let's get up from our chairs, kneel on the floor, and you ask God to reveal Himself to you. Muhammad did that because he was sincere. He wanted to know the answers to these difficult questions. But I was not able, through the apologetics, through the explanation of all the theology and doctrine and the illustrations that I have learned, I was not able to convict him deep down in his heart. Realize, brothers and sisters, that our ministry to Muslims is not all about explanation. It's not about strategies. It's about a touch of the Holy Spirit. How many Muslims have come to Christ after they have gotten on their knees and they cried out, Lord, reveal yourself to me. I know when I came to Christ, I had to do that. I struggled a lot. I got on my knees time and time again 
sometimes in tears and in agony, Lord God, I'm being beaten, I'm being persecuted for my faith. Is this true? Is this worth all this? Is it worth being uh, rejected by your family and by your relatives and thrown out of your school because of your faith? And I had to decide that when the Lord finally revealed in my heart, in my spirit, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. After Muhammad prayed, he went home. And the next week he came back. When, he, when Muhammad came back, this is a Saudi student who uh, began to be interested in, in the Christian things. When he came back, he said, look, he had a band on his arm, on his wrist that says, I love Jesus. I said, well, we have a lot of Saudis downstairs. We're having dinner with, with a number of Arabs at our center. Do you really want them to see this? He says, I don't care. The Holy Spirit revealed to me who Jesus is. He is the Savior of the world. He is my Savior. I love Him, and I'm willing to die for Him. That could not have happened had he not gotten on his knees and said, Lord God, reveal yourself to me. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Answers to these difficult questions. You may be able to, to come up with intelligent and wise answers, but only the touch of the Holy Spirit would truly answer those people. Another story I could say is of a man named Ahmed in Tunisia. When Ahmed came to me, he had been studying the Bible for five years with a missionary. And so we had lunch, and the missionary told me, this guy is in love with Jesus, but he has this question he wants to know the answer to. So I said, how can I help you, Ahmed? Ahmed said to me, how do you say Jesus is the Son of God? Um, how could it be that God got married and had a baby? And so I said to him what I say to everybody. I said, Jesus was not born of God in the physical sense, but that he came out of God in the same way light comes out of the sun. It's emitted. It's, it's uh, produced by the sun, but it's not born through sexual intercourse. But this is a word that sees he's the sun, meaning he's coming from God. I also went a little bit deeper with him because he wanted to get deeper. And, um, <clears throat> and I said to him that the, uh, the best word that the, defines Jesus is the word, the logos in the Greek. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Son of God in the same way that words are children of our thoughts. And there is a saying in the Arabic language that words are daughters of the lips. A few years ago, I met a guy from Mauritania. I was visiting in Morocco and witnessing to people and we, uh, I was introduced to him by another missionary. He had the same struggles. But this guy had deeper questions because he was a student of philosophy in school. But because of that, I was able to express to him what the Logos really means. You see, the Bible talks about Jesus being the Word of God who through him, through the Word, 
all the world was created. Everything was created by him. And without him, nothing was created. So how can that be? <clears throat> so I addressed uh, Mustafa, this fellow, uh, by saying to him, Was God ever without a mind, without intelligence, without uh, planning in his mind, in his, uh, without his uh, creative power? He said, no, because uh, God is whole and God is intelligent. God, when he created the universe, he used uh, design, he used uh, intelligence, and his intelligence goes beyond every scientist. There's no scientist in the world who can come anywhere close to the intelligence of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. All of that is what the word logos means that Jesus existed with God forever because God and His mind coexisted. They're both eternal. They're not separate. They are together. Like the sun and the light are not separated. They're together. Although the sun is far away from us. And we can never approach the sun. If I were to go on a trip in a shuttle to the sun, if I come anywhere near the sun, I'd be melted with the ship as well. In the same way, we cannot come close to God. He is invisible. We cannot see Him. We cannot experience Him in His majesty, in His power, in His fullness. That's why He sent us His Word, meaning the expression of His intelligent being. And it is very clearly stated in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says that God has spoken uh, through the prophets in many different ways uh, in the uh, uh, ancient times, over the centuries. Uh, it says, in the past, Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, God spoke. That word spoke is the same thing as the word, but in a verb. He worded to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son or by His Son. This, if you were to analyze the language of this, it clearly says that the Word is the Son. Meaning, the, the, as the words are sons of our minds, Jesus is the Son of God, the intelligent being that we cannot see. And then He says... <clears throat> He, um, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, like the light is the radiance of the glory of the sun. Uh, of the sun meaning the, the ball of fire up there in the sky. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Jesus is the exact image of God, the representation of God. We are, as human beings, created in the image of God, but Jesus is the full image of God, the exact representation of God, means all the qualities of God reside in Him. 
And if we were to read the Bible, throughout the Bible, we see definitions or characteristics and attributes of the, God the Father. We see the same attributes uh, relating to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. That's why we are convinced that the three are one. There's only one God, not three, but in three personalities because there are three different forms and functions. God the Father sends God the Son to come down to earth, to die for us on the cross, and He sends His Holy Spirit to be with us at the same time. This is the logical, apologetic approach. But I want to encourage us to see it from the spiritual aspect. Because no one will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ just through intellect. So far in my over 40 years of ministry to Muslims, I have not convinced anybody through just the intellectual arguments, even though I've read it all, I've shared it all, <clears throat> but through prayer, through intercession, through them sincerely asking God to work on their hearts, I have found that they have no problem Recently, a woman uh, from Saudi Arabia accepted Christ about eight months ago. And she had a, a boyfriend that she had known for six years before she became a Christian. She began to witness to him. And when she became a Christian, she broke up with him because she did not want to marry a non-Christian. But then she asked me to help him. So I began to talk to him. And one of the first questions is, how do you say Jesus is Son of God? So I asked her, how did you deal with this? We used to talk about it before you became a Christian. She said to me, remember when I used to sit in your office and give you trouble over this thing? Right now, I have no problem with Jesus, Son of God, because when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, He revealed who He is to me, and the question is not a problem. So when the, uh, when the other fellow, the boy, called her once to ask her how she dealt with it, because I told him she dealt with it. She told to him, I was like you. When I did not accept Jesus yet, I struggled with it. It was something that really clouded my, 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 my mind. But right now, after touching the Holy Spirit and ha having the touch of the Holy Spirit in my life, it's not a problem anymore. Guess what? Two months later, this fellow, on January, uh, January 23, 2013, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he told me I had the same experience. After I accepted Jesus, the Sonship of Christ is no more issue. I know deep down in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. As I have uh, uh, surveyed many Muslim converts, they say the same thing. When I was attracted to Jesus, I didn't understand. When I accepted Jesus, everything began to make sense. Because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. We need to understand where the power lies. The power lies not in our wisdom, not in our knowledge, as Paul said many times in 1 Corinthians, but in the power of the cross, in the power of the gospel, the straight, direct and clear presentation of the gospel 
touches hearts more than any explanation, no matter how smart and how intelligent or wise. Because God wants to connect with us through the Spirit, not through the mind. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21 that God chose in His wisdom not to be found through wisdom, but by the foolishness of what was preached, and that is the gospel of salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ.